this time. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, just to come before you this morning. We just pray, dear God, that you would open up our minds as well as our hearts and allow us, Lord, to apply what you have for us this morning to our lives. And then we would apply it to the lives of others, Lord God, as we reach out with your love to a lost and hurting world. We give you this time. We give you our lives. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Over the past few weeks, we've been in a new series called Stand. Does it really matter what you believe? And we're just getting started. We've been talking about suffering for the past four or five weeks, and and that's just the beginning of this series. There are so many other questions that so many of you have. You've been asking me questions, and I'll try to get as many in as I can, but this is just the beginning. And the reason we're handing out those little cards that say stand on them is for you. They're in your seat back. They're on your seats. You're getting them on the way in. It's for you to use those to invite other people. Like I said, the church is growing. That's really, really exciting. But we want to make sure that we're reaching out to our community because people, no matter who they are, what background they come from, they all have questions. You have questions. Other people have questions. And this is a great time, a great opportunity during this series to invite someone who probably has more questions you can possibly imagine. But if we answer those questions, it can make a difference in their lives. Recently, we've been answering the question, why does God allow evil and suffering in the world? It's, it's probably the number one question that people will ask you once they find that you have any spiritual depth to you at all. If you talk about God or going to church, most likely, if you give a person a chance, they're going to ask that question. Well, if there's a God, then and understand something, too. Most people who ask the question are not asking it because they want to get in a terrible argument with you or prove something to you. They're asking because they want to know. They look around the world, they see all this stuff going on, and they want to know. They want to try to understand for themselves. I, you know, I, 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 I want to believe in this God. I, I, I know there's a God out there somewhere. I've heard a lot about it, and I'm not very religious, but boy, I have a lot of questions. And you answering those kinds of questions can make a profound, have a profound impact on that person's life. Now, suffering is a theme, I think that we would all agree, is an important theme that we discuss, that we, that we talk about, an important question that we need to answer. Scuff, suffering is a, th- a theme that captures our attention and, like I said, has the potential to lead people into a closer relationship with God. Because as you, when I sit down and talk to someone about my, my faith, or they, they start asking me questions, they'll say, hey, can I sit down with you? I have some questions about God, and I say, sure. And we sit down, and what I usually do is I start answering questions. I start answering questions, and one by one, I try to knock down each question that person has, and I keep asking the question, so what is keeping you from a relationship with Jesus Christ? And they'll say, well, I still have this question. Okay, I'll answer it. And I still, and I answer that question. I keep asking, what is keeping you from having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And usually at some point, the person says with a smile on their face, nothing. And I say, let's pray then. Let's, let's, bow, let's, let's pray. But people don't want to just willy-nilly jump off the cliff into the darkness if they don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. They, they want to know God. They, I had, I don't know about you, but I had tons of questions before I asked Christ to come into my life. Well, you know, if, 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 you know, if Jesus is the only way to God, what about all the pygmies in Africa? I went down the whole list, you know what I mean, of, of things that people ask. I did the same thing. I wanted my questions to be answered. 
I want to believe in something that's true. I want to believe truth. And so do, so do most people. They want truth. And so that's why it's important that we answer these questions. That's why this, this question in specific is so important. Here's something else. Suffering due to fear. We're talking about suffering due to fear is something that every single believer, every believer will need to deal with if they're going to hold to the truth of God's word. Suffering due to the fear of, of, of persecution, if you will, of being ridiculed in a situation where people are asking if you're going to go through some form of suffering, if you're going to stand for truth, because people are going to say in this culture, why do why don't you believe this? Why don't you agree with this? And if you don't have the right answer that they want you to give, they're going to, in, in a sense, make you suffer. By the things that they'll say to you. I can't believe you're, you're so you know, intolerant. I can't believe you're so this. So use all kinds of things to make you feel very uncomfortable. And so what people usually do is they avoid it or they shrink back when they're asked the question. But that's not what Peter in 1 Peter is telling us this morning. Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 14 and 15. But even if you should suffer for what is right. You are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. What he's saying there in general in the, in the, in the, in the text there is don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid. They're going to ask you questions, but don't, don't be afraid of them. But in your hearts, instead, in your hearts, set us apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is a powerful challenge to believers. And it is, it's more than you think. And it's going to be interesting to talk about this morning. It's more than you think, but it is a powerful challenge to believers. If you think about it, the questions that we're going to be discussing, discussing this whole idea of why does God allow evil and suffering and all the other questions that are coming, for many people, they're life and death. When people ask you questions, it can either lead them closer to Christ into a closer relationship with God or push them away from God, depending on how he responds sometimes. If you have friends that are around you and they're asking you questions and your answer is, well, I'm not really sure or I don't really know and I'm not sure there's an answer to that question. And we, we do those things because we just we don't know. And so people are asking legitimate questions. They're not getting legitimate answers. And so they're assuming there are not legitimate answers. And so they just basically say, ah, see, this is all based upon some whimsical faith kind of thing. It's like the Easter Bunny or whatever else. And I don't need if I know if I need to be involved in that. I don't want to commit intellectual suicide by giving my life to Christ. But the problem for the problem is in my heart is that most of the questions that people ask have answers. Ninety, ninety five percent. Deuteronomy twenty nine, twenty nine says the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God. Can I explain the Trinity to you? No, I can't. If you say, well, I say God is the first cause, you say, well, I can explain how God, I, I, I can give you intellectual reasons why God is the first cause, but I can't explain the mysteries of the universe, but nor can anyone else, whether you believe in God or not. There are certain things you just have to take by faith, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. You have to take them by faith. But most of the questions that people ask have an answer, and we either lead them into a closer relationship with Christ by our answer, or we push them away. So this morning I want us to consider, are we prepared? 
Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? Are you prepared? Do you understand why you believe what you believe? That's extremely important. That's an expectation that Peter has of us here. And, and, and when we get a chance, when we get a chance to communicate that truth, why do I believe this? What do I believe and why do I believe it? And when we get a chance to communicate that truth, are we, are we, are we communicating it in a fearless and an effective way? Or do we shrink back and skirt around the issues? That's what we have to ask ourselves this morning, because that's really the challenge that he's laying out to us. Out to us. And we ask the question, when someone comes to you and asks the question, well, what about this and what about that? Um, the answer can't always be, let me go ask my pastor or my parents. It's okay sometimes to, to say, because I, I do this, we all do this. I, I don't have all the answers. Someone asked me a question this morning that was really difficult. I can answer it, but I could do a much better job if I went back and looked it up again and kind of studied around and got more scripture verses to back it up. There, but I could, you could answer the question basically so they go, oh, okay, that makes sense. But there's always more that you can add. Sometimes I just, wow, that's a good question. I'm going to go, I'll go research that. It's okay to say, hey, I'm not really sure. I'll get back to you with an answer. But that can't be our fallback every single time. Every single time someone asks us a question, it can't be, well, let me ask my pastor or I'll go find an answer. We really need, because sometimes you may never see that person again. This may be an opportunity to, to share with that person. Maybe you're on vacation. Maybe you're in a situation at work and a person, I don't know. But you may not see that person again. And we can't always fall back on, let me get back to you on that one. You know, I I thought about this. Can you imagine if you went to a mechanic that was a mechanic for years? You know, the guys had a a business for years. This this mechanic has worked there for for years and years and years. And you go in and you ask them a simple question about the motor, how the motor works. And you hear him basically, his response is, "Um, uh, I don't know, let me go ask my boss. Right? Uh, Does that make sense? I mean, if if you were to ask the mechanic a simple question about the motor and his response is, let me go ask my boss, I think you'd be scratching your head and saying, why do you need to go ask your boss? Shouldn't we apply that same principle to people who have been Christians for for, for years and years and years when they're they're maybe asked a, a simple question? And they have to go back and, well, I'm not really sure, I don't really know, or, you know, uh, if they ask a simple question about the Bible or you ask them a question, they're always having to go back and ask someone else. Shouldn't we apply the same principle if it was a mechanic who's been a mechanic for years and they don't know anything about the engine? I think we need to know something about the God that we worship. Correct. Right. Amen. Yeah, we need to know something. We need to know we know we need to know truth so that when people ask us questions, it's not always a fallback. Let me go find the answer. You kind of know you're prepared. Peter is saying, be prepared. Again, I want to say this. I don't want everyone to feel beat up and really bad about it. We can't know every single answer, but we need to be prepared to do the best we can to answer the questions that are going to come our way. God wants us to know him. If I love him, I should want to get to know him. He wants me to know him so that I can share his truth and his love with everyone around me. That's what he wants me to do. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, God says, come, let us reason together. 
He says, come, let us reason together. This verse is critical because it is God that gives us our rational capacity and he expects us to use that rational capacity to lead others closer into a relationship with him, to share his love with other people so he can, they can experience him as well. And we need to use it to glorify him. You know, that when, he, when he says, when, when it says, uh, Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope that you have. He says that for several reasons. Number one, because it honors God. Always be prepared to give an answer to the people who ask you. The reason that's important, because it honors God. It says that God is important. It says that you know something about God. The God that you love, the God that you worship, you, you, you have taken the time to invest to get to know him. So when someone asks you something about him, you have an answer to give. So it's important for, number one, that we, we honor God by knowing some of the answers to the questions. It also strengthens your faith, right? Maybe you have some of the same questions that the person asking you has. And what happens is when you, like many of you here, all of us in this room have questions. All of us have questions. I have questions. You have questions. If you don't have questions, it isn't, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. The only thing wrong is when you ask the question, not finding the answer, just going, see, I don't, that's a bunch of baloney. My father one time told me, this was years and years ago, he said when he was a kid, he said there are different passages in the Bible, you know, he he said, you know, there was a prophecy, it says, and, you know, at the end times, and everyone in the world will look upon the man, blah, 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 and yada, yada. And he he said, and, and so many people said, that's just ridiculous, that's impossible. How could everyone in the Lord, you know, and he said people would reject the word of God based upon the information they had. Well, now it's a joke that we could say that everyone could look upon one person in the world. We have so much technology. It's really easy. But people reject God sometimes because of the information they have. What I'm saying to you is you may have questions. I may have questions, but we need to answer the questions. We need to try to answer the question because here's the thing. When you answer the questions that you have first, you're then prepared to answer someone else's question because usually the questions are the same. The same questions that you have, other people have. You need to answer the question for yourself because it then builds confidence. Once you answer the question for yourself, it builds confidence in you because now you go, you say to yourself, boy, that was tough. I I, I researched that through. That makes sense. And here's the deal. There are some things that you research to the point where you can take a step of faith. All right, that, that, that is a step of faith. That is not a leap into the dark. It's a step of faith. That's what people are looking for. No one's looking for, most people are not looking for answers that, have, that are, are left completely. Well, you could, you've answered that so completely, I would never think about it again. Most people are looking to take a step of faith. So when you answer questions that you have for yourself, it allows you to take another step of faith, but it gives you confidence that the next person that asks you that question, you can answer it, right? Okay. So another reason is it helps you to overcome your fears. You have fear. The reason you don't want to answer questions is because you're afraid. And it helps you overcome your fears. Preparation, when you're prepared, he says always be prepared to give an answer. When you're prepared, it limits your fear. Preparation limits fear. 
I, I, I give you an example. Um, I'm not uncomfortable standing up here. I don't get butterflies and all, you know, sometimes for some reason I may, but usually I don't. And the reason I don't, honestly, one of the reasons is because I'm up here pretty much every Sunday. And the other reason is I'm never unprepared when I get up here. I never wing it. Now, I didn't write down what I'm saying to you right now. All right. So I have my notes. I go off my notes and I come and I'm, I study them enough where I can find my way back. Because when you when you can't find your way back, it's really, really awkward. But um, <laughs> you're like, oh, Lord, help me. I don't know how to find my way back from here. But I can do that. Um, but I, you know, I'm prepared. I, and one of the things that really helped me in the preparation was when I went to Africa I know I'm comfortable standing up and talking in front of people. And I prepare things. Well, we went to Africa and the culture is different. And you go there and here I would never say, hey, John, come up here and share. And you'd be like, what? Like you'd never come back. But there, if you're the pastor, especially, you're just expected to just get up and talk when anybody asks you to get up and talk. And half the time, you don't even know what you're talking about. So and when I, I learned, I learned that I needed to prepare. I need to get even more prepared. I always take two sermons with me to any country I go to because they're always asking me to speak at some school or some or speak in church when I'm not expecting to. So now I prepare even even if I don't know what they're going to ask me, I'm prepared Okay, for something. Or just to say to myself, you know what, people are going to ask me to do something, so when they do, just get up and just fake the living daylights out of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just, you know, talk slowly and, you know, do your thing and no one cares. You just, you know, you're sharing, you know, a greeting or something like that. But preparation limits your fear. If you're unprepared, if you're unprepared for the question, you're going to be fearful when you're asked the question. But if you're prepared, you are less fearful and you ask, you answer that question in a more dominant and a more effective way. It all, it also, it answers people's questions and leads them when you're prepared and you're able to answer that question. It leads people into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we should be doing. It leads people into a closer relationship with God. Every opportunity you have to talk to someone in this world should, should be a opportunity that you get to lead a person into a closer relationship with God. Even if it's just how you're answering questions, how you're living your life. You should be trying to lead people closer to Christ. Eric Little was the guy who they, they made the movie Chariots of Fire about. It's his life, Eric Little, his life. Here's what he says. I've, you want to you read someone's life. Chariots of Fire was a great movie, but his life after was even more incredible. He said this, we are all missionaries. He's right. We're all missionaries, okay? No matter where we are, we're all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people nearer to Christ or repel them from Christ. You want to repel people from Christ? Have them ask you question after question and you not have any answers whatsoever. It frustrates them. You know what frustrates little kids in Sunday school class? It frustrates your kids when they ask you a legitimate question and you're like, well, you know, you don't need to know the answer to that. Some, some questions just don't have answers. You're right, they don't. But most of the questions they're asking us do. So it's very frustrating when someone asks you a question and they say, see, these people, they, they talk about how much they love Jesus, how they love God and how they're, how they're passionate about this. But then you ask them something, they don't have an answer. And it just discourages people. It leads them further, it pushes them further away from God because they think, ah, this whole God thing's a bunch of baloney. The goal is to lead people to Christ. But again, again, you need to know what you believe on why you believe it, or that's not going to happen. 
You need to know what you believe and why you believe it or that leading people closer to Christ is not going to happen. That's why we're doing this series, because I want to answer as many questions as possible so that I I want you to be a bunch of, I say monsters in a good way, okay? I want you to be monsters for Christ. I want you to go out and if you say, oh, that was a good question. I, what did he say? I can't remember what he said. You can go back and get the CD, get the sermon notes or whatever else and you study and next week, the next day you go back and you answer the question. But I want you to take notes. I want you to listen to the sermons over and over again. I want to give you as much information as possible so that you can go out. And when people ask you questions, you have answers to their questions. This is going to be really cool. All right. Really cool. I love this kind of thing because it really impacts people's lives. But you will not be leading people closer to Christ if you don't know what you believe and you don't know why you believe it. So my question to all of us is, do we read our Bibles? Okay. Do we, it seems to me that we have become so not just I'm not picking on all of you. I'm talking about Christianity in general. We've become illiterate. We've become spiritually illiterate. We don't study. We don't read our Bibles. And for the most part, we don't study our Bibles. As I go through and I read my Bible, there are times I come across something and I thought, boy, I studied that. And I studied that when I was at Nyack, but I don't remember the exact answer. And so I'll read it and then I'll go back and I'll make sure I find an answer to the question that I have. That's how we should study the Bible. We read through it. And then when you question something, you don't go, oh, see, it's just I can't understand this. It's just ridiculous. Who can understand that? What do you mean who can understand that? Do you guys know there's a thing called the Internet? Yeah. Yeah. And you can actually go on there and ask questions. And there is like 5000 answers. I mean, basically similar answers. You've got to know what, where you're going and who's giving you the answer. But if you, you find the legitimate um, sites, biblical sites, they'll give you the answer to your question for the most part. You know, there are other things. You know what they're called? They're called books. They have these books. I have lots of these, bo- <laughs> these books in my office, right? And, I, and when I have a question, I pull a book off there and I open it up and, and lo and behold, somebody's thought about this already and, and I can actually get the answer from a book from a really smart guy or a smart woman. Give you the answer. Find the answers, for goodness sake. We can find the answers to these things. God has, God, all truth leads to God, guys. Listen, we shouldn't be afraid of truth. We shouldn't be afraid of questions because people asking questions, they're seeking out truth. They're going to find God. Help them find God. We don't have to be afraid. God says, come, let us reason together. He wants us to reason together. He wants us to know him. He wants us to get involved in, in, in underst- his under- understanding who he is so we can share that with other people. Are you ready to give an answer? Think about this to an unbelieving world when it comes to questions about abortion, when it comes to questions about different sexuality, when it qu- comes to questions about moral relativism. Are you ready to give an answer? They're all in the word of God. OK, it's all there. But are you ready when the culture comes down on you and starts asking you these questions? Are you ready? Are you prepared with an answer? If you're not, you're going to shrink back and avoid the subject. But how loving is it if someone asks you a question to avoid the question? How can you lead someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is the most important thing? That's the reason you're answering the question. If you are not prepared to answer the question or think about this, are we afraid? Are you afraid that when someone asks you a question about your beliefs, are you afraid to answer the question because of what they may think of you? 
I think that's really the, the reason why so many of us don't really sometimes want to know the answers to the biblical questions because we're afraid that the answer is not going, not going to make the person happy who's going to ask us things, so we just avoid it. Well, that's just, you know, I, you know, I don't really think about that. People do what they want to do, blah, 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 yada, yada. You get out of it instead of answering the question. We need to be able to answer those questions if we love people the way Jesus Christ loves people and calls us to love each other. We need to be ready to give answers to skeptics and to seekers, even if it causes them to persecute us, which is really what First Peter is talking about. He's talking about we will be persecuted many times for what we believe. The word answer in the text is translated apologia. It's, it's the Greek word that means to, to have an answer ready to a verbal defense, if you will. Speech in defense. It is a speech in defense. So apologetics is basically the discipline that deals with a a rational defense of the Christian faith. It's it's the idea of it's a rational defense of the Christian faith. You see, faith and reason work together in Christianity, not in opposition to each other. The world wants you to think the opposite. It's not true. All truth leads to God. So you can use your reason to walk through these questions and answer these questions to people who ask. See, in this context, Peter is not just saying that we need to be ready to give an answer to everyone, everyone's question when someone asks. It goes beyond that. This, this is the crux of the whole thing. It goes beyond that. He's saying that we, we need to always be ready to give the reason why we have the hope that we have in God. I want you to, if you, if you fall asleep, wake, wake up, because here's the foundation of what he's talking about here. Here's the real foundation of what he's talking about. Peter is assuming, he, his assumption is that people will ask you questions based upon what they see in your life. They're going to see you living your life a certain way. And based upon how they see you living your life and what they see you doing in your life, they're going to ask you questions about it. That's an assumption. His assumption is that we're living by the word of God. We're holding to the word of God. We are standing on the word of God. And because assumption we're doing that, people are going to ask us questions. In other words, our internal hope should be so strong that people see it And then they want us to explain it. Isn't that amazing? They they want they they want he's assuming that because we say because we have given our lives to Christ he's assuming Peter's assuming that people are going to see that and they're going to ask us to explain it. And he says, when it happens, not if it happens, when it happens, be prepared to give an answer. And Peter tells us that we should, we, should, we should have this joy in our hearts when the hope that we have, but we should, when we answer people, it should be with meekness. He says that when someone asks the question, we need to answer the question with gentleness and respect. This has to do with the attitude, our attitude toward the person asking the question. He's saying when that person sees your life, when they ask the question, 
here's how you should respond to that person. We should be humble. We shouldn't be arrogant. We shouldn't get angry. We, I did this series, another series, uh, about seven, eight years ago. And we had people coming into this back room here with about 45, 50, maybe probably 80 or 90 people sitting around. And there were some uh, atheists there. And they were asking me questions. And you should have seen some of the anger in the lives of Christians by just those people asking those questions. Now, they didn't ask them with a lot of respect sometimes. And I think that was what charged people up. But Peter's saying, listen, relax. Don't get angry. Be, have meekness. Be, be gentle and respectful. See, when a person gets angry and belittling when you're in, when you're in a conversation about worldviews, it is very clear that person can't defend their worldview. The person who starts screaming and getting sarcastic and obnoxious, the reason they're doing that, that's their only defense because they're getting probably killed in the conversation and their only defense is to do that, to try to back you down or get angry to back you down because they can't defend their worldview. So Peter's saying, we're, we're, we're on the side of truth. We can certainly defend our worldview. So don't get angry. Show gentleness and respect in how you share the love of Jesus Christ because we have to ask ourselves, why are we sharing? Why are we answering these questions? The answer is to draw people into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, not to win an argument. When you win an argument, sometimes you lose so much more. If you're in it just to beat someone in an argument, I don't think, everyone, I don't think anyone was ever verbally uh, assaulted into heaven, <laughs> right? I don't think so. I mean, the person that got me to go to church for the first time, she didn't know what the heck she was talking about. She really didn't. Theologically, she was way off. But you know what? She really loved God. And she was trying. She was only a Christian for a couple of months. She was doing the best she could to answer my barrage of questions. But she did it in such a way that, uh, that made me at least think I should go check this out. Plus, I thought she was in a cult. I was going to save her and get her out of it and everything. <laughs> Didn't work out too well for me. It wasn't a cult, and I ended up being a pastor. So um, <laughs> suffering, suffering for our faith, suffering for our faith is often what we are called to do as believers. I mean, Jesus said, if you don't suffer with me, you won't reign with me. It becomes, it's, it's part of our faith, but it comes with a promise. It does. It comes with a promise. In verse, in first Peter chapter three, verse 13 and 14, it says this, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. You are blessed if you suffer for the sake of righteousness. That's what he's saying. You're blessed. Now, most of us wouldn't equate blessing with suffering, right? You think if you're, you think if you're suffering, then you're not being blessed. But that's not what Peter's saying here. The word translated blessed here, um, Jesus uses it in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 11. Here's what he says. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. See, to be blessed in this context doesn't mean to feel delighted. Okay? It doesn't mean to feel delighted. It means to be highly privileged. 
You are privileged. If you suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ, it is a privilege. In order for you to come to that conclusion, though, something has to be going on in your mind. It can't be, it cannot be all just the way you feel. Because I'm telling you right now, if you get into to, uh, to, to dif- disagreements with people, or if you start to share your faith, or people asking your questions, sometimes they're going to persecute you for the answers. And you're not going to feel good about it. It is not about feeling delight. It is, God is saying, if you be, if you are persecuted, you are blessed because you have the privilege of standing up for truth, of standing up for God, of standing up for Jesus Christ. It is a privilege to do that, but it can't be about your feelings. It has to be about who you are. It has to be about what you know to be true, and you need to have an eternal perspective. See, Christians, here's, the, here's part of this, what Peter is saying. He's saying you, cannot be a, you should not be afraid of these people. That should not be your main priority. When you stand for truth, regardless of what they do back to you, you stand for truth. Do not be afraid of them. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's what Peter is saying here as well. That's what he's saying. Fear God rather than man. Put God first in this whole thing. Live to an audience of one. See, that's part of our problem as, as people. We care so much about what other people think. Yes, you a question, you're thinking, oh, what if I say that? It's going to offend them. And if it offends them, I don't want to offend them because they'll think I'm, I'm this or they'll think I'm that and they won't like me or whatever else. And what Peter is saying, hey, live to an audience of one. The only person that really matters, you don't want to offend people just to offend them. But if the Bible offends... I... Like, I don't go around trying to hurt people or offend people or disagree with people. But if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you a biblical answer. If that offends someone, I'm sorry. It's truth. Better to tell someone the truth than to lie to them and make them feel good about it. Don't, how is lying to people and telling half-truths going to lead them into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ? And Peter is saying, you have to answer the question truthfully. Don't be afraid to answer the question. Put Christ first. And Peter goes beyond the challenge here not to fear. It goes beyond that. What he wants us to do is be prepared to give the reason for our faith. It's, it's beyond just a, a simple challenge. He wants us to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This is an offensive challenge, not a defensive challenge. Let me go back to the main point. Here's what he's saying. This is an offensive challenge, not a defensive challenge. He is saying, I am assuming that you're going to live your life in such a way, okay, offensive. You're going to live out your faith in a, in a, in a, passionate, bold manner. You're going to live your life in such a way that because you're living that way, people are going to ask you questions about why you live that way. And I want you offensively to be prepared to answer the questions that are going to come because of the way you're living your life. This is an offensive challenge to us, not a defensive challenge. I'm going to sit back and if someone happens to ask me a question someday, maybe I'll answer the question. No, he's saying live in such a way that you have to be prepared because you know the questions are coming. That make sense? Okay, that's what he's talking about here. We live in a world with so many skeptics, it is guaranteed that we are going to be persecuted for living out the the truth of Jesus Christ. And if you're never, think about this, if you're never persecuted for your faith, I say this, I'll love my heart, 
Okay, if you're never if you're never persecuted for your faith, you're not making enough noise. You are not making enough spiritual noise. People should come and be asking you why, why, why. Let your light so shine that they're drawn like they're drawn to the light and asking you why, why, why. And sometimes in this world where we live in a world with a different worldview, when you answer the question why, it is not it is not going to be they're not going to be happy about it and you're going to be persecuted. That is going to happen. But you cannot shrink back knowing that you just need to be prepared. They are not going to like your answer sometimes. Listen, the gospel, the Bible offends. You know, that's one of the reasons I became a Christian. Because I read the word of God and it didn't tell me everything I wanted to hear. You ever notice all these, you ever notice these religions that pop up and everything? They, they usually encourage all kinds of sexual behavior. Well, when you die, you get to go on a planet with a bunch of virgins. It's always about some kind of, it's always drawing you in with your carnal nature. The Bible's like the opposite. You know why? Because God is saying, here's the truth. I'm saying it. If you don't like it, tough cookies, basically. That's how I know the Bible's true. It doesn't tell me everything I want to hear. The Bible is going to offend me sometimes. It will offend you. It will offend those who you share it with sometimes. And in that case, you need to stand for truth and suffer the consequences of the answers that you're giving. Just know it's going to happen. But we can't shrink back. Jesus Christ needs to be first. In verse 15, it says, But in your heart set apart apart Christ as Lord. We need to stand. This is what this series is all about. We need to stand for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ needs to be put first in our lives. In the midst of the persecution, we need to focus on Christ, not on the one causing us to fear. Let me say that again. In the midst of the persecution, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the difficulty, when you're answering the question, you need to keep your focus on Jesus Christ, not on the one who is causing you to fear. Because the moment you put your focus on that person and you start thinking, oh, what are they going to think about me? And what are they going to feel? And how about this? And what if they don't like me anymore? And blah, 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 all those kinds of things. Fear is going to envelop you and you're going to avoid the question or tell them what they want to hear. And let me tell you something. Let me say something, okay? It is not loving. It is not loving to tell someone what they want to hear. You know what a good friend does? What do your best friend does? A best friend, when they ask you, hey, you know, they, you, uh, this person said this and this person saying that about me. I don't believe that. Your best friend sits you down and face to face and says, you know what? I love you, but you are a scooch sometimes. You do, you do that. You need to work on that. That's what a best friend says. You know what other friends say? Oh, that person is such a jerk. I can't believe they would ever say that to you. Blah, 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 blah. That's not a great friend. A great friend says, you've been that way since I've known you as a kid. You, you probably should work on that. I love you. I'm, I'm by your side the whole way and I'll help you. I have issues too. We can work on together, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. A best friend tells you the truth because they, because they love you more than what they're, they love you more than themselves. That's why. They love you enough to take a risk to tell you that sometimes you can be whatever. They love you that much. Don't, don't, tell, don't go around telling people what they want to hear and then say that you're more loving. You're so, you, you, these people are so this and they're so that because they tell you are not more loving than a person telling the truth. You're not. 
you're just afraid. You're afraid. You don't want people to dislike you. It's all about you. And so please don't use the excuse that you're more loving than other people. It's not true. It's not true. Jesus, when, when someone would come to him and sin, I, I, heard, I heard Bill O'Reilly one time say, Jesus never, Jesus never, he never confronted people. And I, and I said, I thought to myself, are you, what are you talking about? He said, the woman caught in adultery, Jesus never, never told her that she was wrong. Of course he did. He said, go and sin no more. Matter of fact, if you read that story, he basically, every single person he did that to. You know why? Because he loved them. He loved the Pharisees and Sadducees so much, he called them a brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs. You think he was just mad at them? He lost his temper, and that's what he said to them. No, that's what they needed to hear to break out of their spiritual arrogance. The woman caught in adultery crawled over to him. He wasn't going to call her all kinds of names. She's already broken. He helps her up, he brushes her off, and he looks at her and says, Go and sin no more. That's what she needed to hear. She didn't need it any she didn't need anything else. He loved her. He loved them. The people standing around with the stones, he loved them as well. Should we whoever is without sin cast the first stone? He loved them, loved them, loved them, told them truth, 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 truth. None of them probably liked it at the time, but it was all truth. You know why? Because he loved them so much that he was willing to tell them the truth. See, when we when we love people more than we love ourselves, that we're going to give answers that are bold and honest. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what do our words say about our hearts? I'm asking myself the question, honestly, before God. What do my words say about my heart? Out of the abundance of the, of, of, the, of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what, does my, what do my words say about my heart and about my life? See, for the most part, the only thing an unbeliever is ever going to see or hear about God will come from you, will come from me. So my question is, how am I representing him? How am I representing my Savior? Peter is saying that the inward hope that Christians have will result in lives that are so noticeably, noticeably different that people, unbelievers, will be prompted to ask why. Our lives will be so noticeably different that unbelievers will be prompted to ask why. And, listen, and when they ask the question, Peter is saying, we need to be ready with an answer. And over the next few months, I'm going to give you everything I have to try to answer some of the questions that you have so you can answer other people's questions and we can make an impact in our world. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be together. I just pray, dear God, that you would, Lord, that you would challenge each one of us to live out the faith that you've called us to, to love others enough to share the truth with them so they'll be led into a closer relationship with you. Father, we love you, we praise you, we give you this time and ask that you would bless it. And Lord God, that we would just keep coming back on sunny mornings and learning your truth so that we can change the world with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.